Welcome to Wager Talk College Football Podcast for the final weekend of September. Scott Spritzer here with Matt Holt, VP of Business Development, CGT Sportsbooks in Las Vegas. Dave Koken, the newest member of the roster at wagertalk.com, and Marco D'Angelo, co-founder of wagertalk.com. From USC, Washington State to Clemson, Virginia Tech, ending with best bets, a lot of college football to preview tonight. But as always, we kick off the show by going behind the counter at CGT Sportsbooks with none other than Matt Holt. Matt, heard you guys are off a dream weekend on the gridiron. Yeah, look, seven-figure win for us on Saturday, followed by a huge seven-figure win on Sunday. Collectively, uh, one of maybe the biggest football weekend we ever had, if, if you disclude the fact that we've had some huge celebrity bets before, seven-figure bets. So if you don't include the one-off seven-figure celebrity bets in the past, this is by far the biggest collective weekend we've had in a football season. Well, listen, nobody wants to hear about how you guys want money, so let's get to this week's card and start talking about where the handle is now. Uh, we'll start out with Friday Night Football, USC at Washington State, uh, Washington State, excuse me, and a big one, obviously, at that. USC three and a half at CGT at last checkup from three, total 65. Other books opened the Trojans four and had to drop the number. USC more battle tested right now in these, between these two teams. And if really you take Washington State, you know what's coming. Don't even worry about the running game. Matt, where's the action in this one? Surprisingly, this is one of those games where looking ahead to it, you said, all right, the public's going to be all over USC. The Sharps are going to be on the home dog, Washington State. But the numbers lower too. The you know the early numbers for this game and the look aheads and the games of the year were about an eight, eight and a half. And now all of a sudden you're laying three and a half. And what we've seen is a US a USC team that struggled against Texas, failed to cover against Cal, failed to cover against Western Michigan. And the public is actually going the other way. They're actually taking the undefeated home dog in Washington State. And with both Ronald Jones and Deontay Burnett upgraded to probable for USC, the Sharps are actually laying the short number with the Trojans on the road. Let's look at a game. This is interesting because I think some betting philosophy comes into play here. Last week, Michigan State was a very popular sharp side against Notre Dame. They got their lunch handed to them by the Fighting Irish. Now, one of the things that separates Sharps from squares, so to speak, is that sharp players have no problems coming back on a team they just got beat with. Public players are far less likely to do so. So what are we seeing as far as this Iowa-Michigan State game goes? Because the spot might favor Michigan State a bit. You know, they're coming off a bad game. Iowa's coming off a spectacular, exciting game with Penn State. That would seem situationally to favor Michigan State, but I think that a lot of public betters are going to be afraid to back the Spartans. Yeah, and that has been the case here. What we have seen is more Iowa action, two and a half times as much dollars wagered on Iowa over the counter as Michigan State, but this is completely one-sided on account by sharp players in terms of the wagering on the home team Spartans here. And this is a line where we thought about opening it as a pick after what happened last week with the two games. We still went ahead and opened it three, and it has done nothing but move in favor of Michigan State. And at this point, this line could go to four in a line where a lot of people thought maybe a field goal or less. So that's a good job of odds making because you, you know, had you put up the low number of pick them, then you're really going to have a big liability. Yeah, absolutely. Going to the ACC, you got Florida state at zero and two going in to play four and zero wake forest, Florida state. After they lost the first game against Alabama, everybody said, you know, you'd be okay. The loser of that game still has a chance for the national championship, but now at zero and two, do we get off this Florida state bandwagon New uh, quarterback they had to break in last week, and there was 21 days in between the Alabama game and last week's upset loss to NC State. 
And I thought he looked okay. He looked really bad at the end of the Alabama game for obvious reasons, coming in cold, Alabama's defense. I thought he looked okay at times against NC State. Uh, he still seems like the game's a little fast for him at this point, but, but but I think he's getting better, and he'll get better throughout the year. But I love this Wake team. Last week was a look-ahead spot, and I still played Wake and lost with them anyway. Uh, they got the win but failed to cover the spread. But this Wake team's really good. You have a veteran quarterback in Wolford who's been unbelievable this year. They're well-coached. This is the most senior team. You know, when you talk about these programs on the rise, they get these small windows. The The buildup has been there for Wake Forest, and now it's this is the culmination of that buildup. Senior quarterback, uh, you know, senior lead in, lead in defense. Uh, and and uh, the betters are taking notice here. The, the public is staying away from Florida State. They're split on this game. But the Sharps like the home dog, and I tend to agree with them here with Wake Forest. Big Ten action, Northwestern at Wisconsin. And I've heard a few people talking about jumping on Northwestern plus the points this week. Uh, the Badgers at CGT went from 15 to 14 to 14 and a half. And then on Thursday morning, back down to 14. Uh, I did see where there's going to be a few, it looks like, potentially I don't know, I'm going to say four or five guys from this Northwestern defense who get a lot of playing time who may not play in this particular game. Do you foresee more underdog action? You know, that bait, that Badger defense is a tough nut to crack. They're off a bye and they're 15 and three against the spread off a bye. I kind of like Northwestern here and I made them an opinion, Matt, but it's a situation where what kept me off of making them a play was the potential for those guys to be missing on defense. Sure, and let's face it, a lot of the players missing for Northwestern this year that really got exposed in the Duke game or come in that Northwestern secondary where they were missing basically every starter and a backup in that secondary. Wisconsin, not exactly a pass-happy team. Maybe they're not going to expose the... Northwestern's defense as bad as Duke did, and historically, Northwestern gets up to play Wisconsin. These are two teams that were supposed to battle for, for, you know, to go to the Big Ten title game, so you have to expect the familiarity, the expectations are there. Uh, Wisconsin has got a couple players back now, so their secondary isn't as decimated against Duke, yet the Sharps and the Squares are almost equal on this game that the sharps really like Northwestern. We've seen that line drop and and it's all because of actual dollars wagered on Northwestern, but the public isn't as heavy on Wisconsin as you might think in this game. The OTC money's almost split. Let's look at a matchup in the pac 12 between Colorado, which put up a good fight for a while last week against Washington before getting run over and UCLA, which uh, apparently is playing defense with seven guys. uh, uh, They can't stop anybody. Bruins, happy to be home, however. Their problems have really been on the road, and maybe getting a little home cooking will uh, uh, get them going a little bit as they face the Buffaloes. Look, I thought the line last week, Colorado-Washington, was a smidge high. I ended up making a really small play on Colorado, lost that one, um, as Washington ended up steamrolling them in the second half. And and I think that's resonated into this week, because... Really, people have been backing UCLA all year, coming off that Texas A&M comeback because Josh Rosen finally starting to look the part of all that hype train that was behind him for so long. He's starting to live up to some of that hype now, and the public has taken notice. And we're pretty much getting one-sided UCLA action over the counter, which we expected. The surprise is, though, the Sharps are also on the Bruins, fairly one-sided on account, which is why this line's gone to 6.5 all the way to 7, likely 7.5 by kickoff. Going to the East, or excuse me, the SEC, we got a big game with Georgia and Tennessee. Last week, Matt, 
Georgia blew the doors off of Mississippi State. Mississippi State was the flavor of the week last week. Everybody and her brother was pounding Mississippi State. That line went all the way down, closed at minus two and a half. Uh, it had opened up at four and a half, and I know a lot of people around town that I talked to had that game that their power ratings had it at six or seven for Georgia, yet everybody was betting Mississippi State off of that one game. Now Georgia, after the destruction of Mississippi State, this line's up to eight this week on the road at Tennessee. Is this an overreaction, or where are the sharps and squares? So interestingly enough, because I've gotten some information, Dave was happy to you know share some inside information with me kind of on that one as, as far as the rumblings he was hearing from down there out of the Tennessee locker room. And I, I've heard some other reports of you know the disgruntled situation down there in Tennessee. But I the Sharps are still betting Tennessee in this game. And I don't think they can get over the fact that when you look at this game, Tennessee by three last year, Tennessee by seven the year before, but Georgia by seven or less three straight years prior to that. This series historically is a seven-point or less series played really tight, and they shoot it out every year, regardless of the team's offense or defense. Every year this is a shootout. Every year it's a tight game. The Sharps that are betting this game because – it's not as much sharp handle as you would think on such a popular game are betting Tennessee, but the public is overwhelmingly betting Georgia in this one. We'll talk about Dave's information a little bit later in the show when we break that game down and also about what Fromm means to this Georgia Bulldog team as opposed to what Eason might have meant if he if he didn't get injured early on in the season. Also in the SEC, we've got Mississippi State taking on Auburn, that game at Auburn, and the Tigers opened and remain about a nine and a half point favorite over Miss State, total 52 and a half. Matt, my biggest worry, and I know Auburn's getting healthy. They're getting Cameron Petway back finally, as far as the running back is concerned, supposedly for this game. And but my biggest worry about laying a lot of points with Auburn is can they score enough points to get over that number? They could dominate this game. It could be a 17 to 9 final score. I think you can make a strong case, obviously, that coming out of the gate, Florida State, maybe even Stanford are the most disappointing team so far, but there has been no player individually more disappointing than Jared Stidham. You talk about this was the sexy pick to win the Heisman Trophy this year. Went from 50-1 to all the way down to 7-1 to preseason. Everybody loved Auburn. Why? Jared Stidham's going to light the world on fire after that half a season we saw at Baylor taking over when Russell got hurt. That hasn't been the case. This Baylor offense is still the same Baylor offense, and it doesn't really fit perfectly for a drop-back quarterback. And what we've seen is Jared Stidham doesn't necessarily fit the offense. Auburn struggling. I'm with you. I wouldn't lay the points here. Sharps are staying away from this game so far. And so isn't the public, really. The public had fallen in love with this Mississippi State team. They trounced LSU. They were all over them last week. To Dave's point, they don't tend to get on a team right after they lose. So the public staying away. Sharps haven't taken a big side in yet in this one yet either. It'll be interesting to see where the line ends up with because at some point you know a bunch of handles going to come in sure. on a really popular SEC game. But at this point they haven't taken a stand yet. Be interesting to see when and where they do. Well, we know there's going to be plenty of money bet on this game. This figures to be, I think, the biggest bet game on Saturday. It is the the marquee matchup on the board. Clemson. One of the two best programs in the country right now, along with Alabama. It's just that simple. They've been to the, in the championship two years in a row. 
Many people think it'll be a rematch for the third time between Clemson and Alabama. But the Tigers have a big challenge this weekend as they travel to Blacksburg to face a Virginia Tech team that's getting better by the week. Justin Fuente's doing a nice job with that team. This is a really good battle. Line seems to be ticking up a little bit, Matthew. Yeah, I, I like to always say that there's four buckets of, of sports wagers, not just two. There's the guy that walks into the book because he just wants to make a bet on a game he's going to watch. He, he's never bet. He doesn't know the terminology. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to walk in and bet Clemson because they're the defending national championship. And then there's the guy who watches the games. He likes them. He likes the bets, parlays, and teasers. He doesn't get the best numbers. But he likes to go in and you know and make his bets every weekend. He's gonna end up. He's that better is ending up on Virginia Tech here. Then there's like the semi sharp better who you know some of them are, are amateur handicappers who just started or they're guys that that want to get into betting and they like it. They're all ending up on Virginia Tech here. And then there's the really sharp guys, the guys that build algorithms, build models, really break down the numbers. They're ending up on Clemson. Yeah. So we have these four buckets, both split, where the ultra-sharp and ultra-public guys are both on Clemson and all the guys in the middle on Virginia Tech at home plus the points. Going to the Big 12, we've got Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. I hope the scoreboard operator has a good night's sleep the night before because he should be busy in this one. We've seen some movement on the total. This opened up at 81, and I've seen it as high as 85 at some places. I think you guys are currently at 84 on the game. Does Oklahoma State bounce back, and does either team stop the other? This is an interesting game, and what happened is I know that on some other podcasts that are that use some really mathematical-based analytic guys, they had talked about – Oklahoma State bouncing back this week and right out of the gate early in the week after those were released we saw that line go from eight and a half to ten all sharp money on Oklahoma State but what we're seeing now is once it hit ten there's some sharp buyback on Texas Tech a lot of people that build numbers are really impressed with this Texas Tech team this year which by the way is undefeated against the spread including going on the road and beating a tough Houston team last week and overcoming 14 penalties to only six in doing it so Texas Tech has actually been impressive this year. Um, this one's going to be interesting, right? The public is a little bit off Oklahoma State. They were backing Oklahoma State as much as any team in the nation. And then to Dave's point, they didn't only lose last uh, not cover the spread last week. They lost outright by double digits as a double-digit favorite. That always sours the public a little bit. The public's still coming in on Oklahoma State, but just barely. And we're getting two-way sharp action now that the number is 10, but below 10, it was one-sided sharp action on the Cowboys. It's the voice of Matt Holt. Holt, you can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Holt, VP. He's, of course, the Vice President of Business Development at CGT Sportsbooks in Las Vegas. Sets all the numbers, and we got all the good handle information and all the big games for this upcoming week. When we come back, we're going to break a few down from the other side of the counter, including Friday night's matchup between USC-Washington State, Georgia-Tennessee, that big Clemson-Virginia Tech game, and Oklahoma State-Texas Tech. Stick around for those, plus best bets. We are Wager Talk. Welcome back to Wager Talk College Football version for the last weekend of September. Don't forget, you can check out our NFL podcast also at wagertalk.com. Jumping into a few of the games for Saturday slate. Late game on Friday night, 1030 Eastern, 730 Pacific. USC's at Washington State. And 
Marco D'Angelo, the Trojans laying three and a half in this one. Total 65 thereabouts. We already heard where the money is from Matt. USC looks like a national champion, though, for a few minutes, and then not so much for a few minutes more later on in the game. We see this team just not having that consistency for me yet to be considered a true national champion. I think they've got the talent. And obviously, if they uh, get through the Pac-12 and get to the championship game and win that, they're obviously playing for a potential national title. Which team do we see on Friday, in your opinion, up at the Palouse? Well, what scares me, and last week, you know, I leaned to USC in that game, and, you know, they were up 17 in the fourth quarter but couldn't hold it, uh, win by 10 and not cover. My concern when you look at this team, in the last two weeks where they've had the 27-24 win over Texas and the 30-20 win over California – they had an edge of 10 to 4 in the turnovers. You got a team with that much talent as USC has, and you have that kind plus six in turnovers, and you had two tight games. That scares me. It worries me with this offense, and you know what Washington State's going to do. They are going to come out fast paced. And if you look the last two games, what they did last week, they ran uh, Washington State 105 plays against Nevada. And they ran 118 against uh, Oregon State. Obviously, they're not going to get that many plays in here in this one, but they are going to go up tempo because USC, one day less uh, traveling on a Friday, playing on a campus on a weekday. You know how hard that is to go. I got to go home, dog, here. Dave Luke Falk, 14 to 1 touchdown to INT ratio. Well, yeah, he's he's terrific quarterback. And Washington State's got the. They might have the talent to win this game. The problem I have is they never win the games that matter the most. That's go. You can go back a long way with Mike Leach, back to the Texas Tech days, and the team looks dynamite against competition they can handle, and then comes the big game opportunity, and they muff it. And it's been a consistent thing for me in looking at Leach throughout his career. And that that is, more than anything, why I'm not going to get involved in this game because I think the spot... It's pretty good for Washington State. You know the crowd's going to be really sizzling for this game. USC hasn't looked all that dominant so far. They've had some very good performances. They also, you know, uh, Marco mentioned that things weren't perfect the last couple of games. They certainly weren't perfect against Western Michigan, uh, a game where they won by 18 or 19, but that was completely misleading, as was a close game into the fourth quarter. So I don't really want to back USC here, but if push comes to shove, that's the side I take because USC can win big games, and Washington State's going to have to prove to me they can win one that matters. And that's with me, Matt. I've made USC six. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, though, for a lot of the reasons that Dave just mentioned. But I don't have to worry about people coming up and making bets at the window for me like you do. And so my power ratings say USC six. And if I do play this game, I'll be on the Trojans. Uh, I will as well. And I, I, I think that I don't want to say that Washington State's fraudulent, but but they have played absolutely nobody. Maybe one of the weakest schedules in the country. And let's face it, the one time they even stepped up halfway against the Boise State team that hasn't been very good, against the down Boise State team, they were down 31-10 to in the fourth quarter and had to get every miracle possible to come back and tie that game and get it to overtime where they won in double overtime. They didn't impress me on that day. Uh, I, I could only lean USC. I, I got the opening line because what if Jones and Burnett didn't play? Right. Then you're down two big players, but they're both going to play, and they, they're both fully practicing. To me, it's Trojans or pass. Saturday football, other side of the country, SEC action, Georgia at Tennessee, the Bulldogs laying seven and a half in Knoxville. Power ratings say Tennessee, Dave, but uh, you had a friend that helped us out last week on his information about Tennessee and UMass, and that ended up being 
a very close game. Tennessee winning 17 uh, to 13. And that friend of yours close to the program gave you another heads up this week. Well, yeah, apparently there was a locker room fight between Tuttle and Warrior, and Tuttle ended up with a broken jaw. Um, there's just a lot of problems with this team. And I, I'll say this, that I, I run two sets of power ratings. Now, the power rating that I had pre, uh, prior to the season gets adjusted slowly. And on that, it's still pretty close. It's you know, like, like five or six, Georgia would be. But I found over the last couple of years that my current power rating, which has a tendency to be more volatile, is actually performing better. And that has Georgia by a pretty big margin for rather obvious reasons. Tennessee's been terrible so far. There's a lot of infighting going on. The coaches are not on the same page. Look, they know the score down there. Butch Jones, with a bad performance, it is conceivable he could be gone on Monday. That's how bad things are at Tennessee right now. Georgia, they look like a playoff team. What do you think about Fromm? I like this I kid. Think we he's, talked I think about he's it a few keep, I, I mentioned on our radio on the Las Vegas Sports Line yesterday, I think Eason got pit while he pipped. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, I think Fromm's got the job, and he's not going to give it back. You know, Fromm sat last year. They were both very high, well-recruited guys. Uh, Fromm was originally uh, uh, set to go to Alabama, but his dream was to play for Georgia, and even if it meant sitting behind Eason uh, for a year, he, he went to Georgia. And, well, it's, things are working out pretty well for him. I think Kirby Smart owns a massive edge over Jones and the coaching department. And, you know, let's throw this in. If there's a revenge game of the year, this might be it. Last year, Georgia takes the lead with 10 seconds to go on like a 40-yard pass. They're going to win the game, incredible win, and Tennessee hits a Hail Mary on the last play of the game, and they they steal the victory uh, between the hedges. So it's a big payback game as well. I know the Sharps on the numbers might like Tennessee. I don't. I think Georgia's the right side in the game, and I think they're going to win fairly easily. Type of revenge you just mentioned, I like to call it true revenge when I'm looking at college football games. And by the way, you're talking about, you know, preseason power ratings, and then you have to, of course, adjust after a couple of games into the season. I like to call those fast and slows, and my fast are what's current, and that's my right. slow is what we started with before the season, which, and that's which how they do you change. Put, which are you putting more faith in this year? I, I need For to me, get the to fast is working better. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I need to get to game four before the current adjustments start to take over in my mind and in my tools that I use over what I had before the season began. But if I'm way off, I'll tend to kind of lean towards what the slow said before the season if I'm a little bit too far off on my adjustments by week four and moving ahead. Matt, I got to ask you with this number being seven and a half, will it come down to seven in your opinion, or is that ship sailed? No, I don't think it's coming down, but I don't, uh, this isn't going to 10 or anything. This isn't going to be like last week where they faded Georgia horribly and they rushed to the window. They're not going to rush to the window to bet Georgia at at such an epic rate that this thing gets to 10 or some really inflated number here because all of the statistical trends favor the home dog here. We're talking about a series. We've gone over it time and time again what the scores were between these two teams the last five years, and the scores say it is a close game year after year after year in a shootout regardless of what those teams' records were that year. Georgia had a couple of disappointing years in there. Tennessee had an up year. Regardless of the team's records, their defenses, anything, every year, this game ends up being a shootout right down to the buzzer, and I think the Sharps have taken note of that. If if this ends up being a one-sided affair, I'm, I'm kind of with Dave. I'm not going to be shocked if we're talking about a press conference in Knoxville Monday afternoon on ESPN. I, I just think he's got to keep this close. It's got to be a well-played game. Uh, they cannot get blown off the field of this one, and it can't be a situation where all the emotion that looks like it's torn apart this locker room comes into play 
on the field in this particular game. Marco, your thoughts? I'm going to go to the total, and i got to agree with Matt. You look the last four years, obviously all the scores were all high scoring, but even the totals, last four years going backwards, 51, 60, 57, 65 in this series, and you've got this number in the upper 40s, mm. it's just too low. And I think it's an overreaction to people looking at that 31-3 to game last week, but I'm still looking at Georgia. They put up 31 points against Mississippi State, who the week before shut out, you know, basically shut out LSU, just giving up seven points. I think there's going to be points scored, and I look at Tennessee, they only scored 17 points against UMass last week, so the public's overreacting from their side of it, but I think there was a letdown with Tennessee because of the Florida game, the way they lost that one on the last play. And you look at that sandwich floor. game, right? Classic yeah. sandwich. You, you're you're, the, you're just Deli. coming off yeah. to yeah, Marco's <laughs> Deli coming <laughs> off to Florida, looking ahead to Georgia. Yep. Who's there stuck in the middle? Stinky old UMass. Absolutely. And they gave they did give up 26 points to Florida. And we've all talked all year about how bad the Florida offense and how much they've had to struggle. They scored two touchdowns last week, Florida. Because nobody was covering the receiver. That's the only reason that they got two scores against uh, Kentucky. So I think you're going to see points here. I got to go over. I think this number's too low. Stinky old. And let's remember they did hang 42 on a team that's playing pretty well in the ACC in Georgia Tech. And and what you're saying would fit fit right into slow rather than fast as far as how our ratings are concerned when it comes to judging these teams. Don't get so caught up in what happened in that previous game. Hey, Matt, you told us where the money is between Clemson and Virginia Tech. That game, of course, in Blacksburg and Clemson, a seven and a half point favorite, total 51 and a half. And Vodtech just saw this team in the ACC title game. Both offenses clicking on all cylinders. Both defenses are stingy. What are your thoughts on this particular matchup from the other side of the counter, from our side? I think the winner of this game has an inside track to actually be in the playoff. And we talk yep. about games where people can actually take this game and springboard into one of those final four spots. This is actually one of those games to me. This Virginia Tech team is for real. This is one of the best up-and-coming coaching staffs in the nation down there in Blacksburg now. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, Dabu Sweeney has turned into the best big game coach yep. in all of college football <laughs> Uh, and these two teams are playing great. You know, with the, with Florida State on a downtrend this year and Clemson have already beat Louisville, you know, Virginia Tech already escaped that opening kind of trap game against West Virginia. The winner of this game has an inside track to potentially a playoff spot. Uh, and I think this very well, they, they could be playing each other again in the ACC championship here. Uh, it's I want to take Virginia Tech. There's no way I could lay it with Clemson, but I don't know that I want to get in front of that freight train, which is Dabu Sweeney in a big game situation. He's become that elite coach, man. It's no more rebuild after a good season. It's reloaded Clemson, and that's when programs become elite. He's definitely there. Marco, nobody really talks too much about Josh Jackson, the Virginia Tech quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's like he's not even out there, but this kid's lighting it up. 10 yards per attempt, 60 for, uh, 65% passer. 11 touchdowns, only one pick on the season. And he can move, obviously, though, a big step up in level of competition. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, to go back to Justin Fuentes, uh, this is a guy, he did so much at Memphis, turned that program back around. And remember, he made an NFL quarterback. Well, he got drafted. We'll see if he ends up becoming an NFL quarterback. But Paxton Lynch, uh, he knows how to handle quarterbacks. And this isn't your Frank Beamer type uh, Virginia Tech team anymore. I like Virginia Tech. I know Clemson is loaded again. And power rating wise, I'll ask you, Matt, did you make this Clemson team? I mean, they lost to Sean Watson, but, you know, so far, you know, 
Bryant's done everything asked of him. Do you make this team better or worse than last year's team power rating-wise? So we started significantly lower for obvious reasons. Mike Williams, uh, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson, it goes on. Gilman, they goes on and on and on. They lost so many key guys, right? And you thought there's no way they could actually replicate the two years prior to that. Um, and then all of a sudden, the the Auburn game comes up again. All right, if, if Auburn and Jaron Stidham are going to make it, here's the game. Clemson defense keeps them out of the end zone for the entire game. The Louisville game comes up. Lamar Jackson, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, looks even better than last year. Louisville at home, Clemson defense completely shuts him down. This Clemson defense at this point is almost undoubtedly at least as equal, if not better. Uh, to me, they look better, better than last year's defense. The offense isn't quite there yet. This offense isn't as good as last year's offense, but the defense might be a tick ahead. Maybe you call this year's team just a smidge behind last year's, but rapidly catching up as the young offensive players develop. My point for that is I look at Virginia Tech, and I have Virginia Tech definitely better than they were last year, this team edition. And if you look, they played the championship game, the ACC championship game on a neutral field. Clemson was an 11-point favorite on a neutral field, and Virginia Tech hung with them within seven. Now we're at Virginia Tech, and they're getting over a touchdown. To me, this is, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, value there, I have to take the home dog. Again, I don't like stepping in front of Clemson in the big game, but I just think that this line's too much over the touchdown. Well, there's no way I'm laying eight. So I'm out of the Clemson side. Uh, I'm probably going to stay out of it, though, because – there's two things that bother me. One is that Clemson is just so used to big games. And I think they, they, I think they like the idea of going into enemy turf and establishing that they're just a better team. The other thing is Virginia Tech's had a couple of slow starts this year where they, you know, they didn't, didn't stale in the first quarter. West Virginia game. The yeah. ECU game. East they were Carolina, stuck 10. I mean, yeah. East Carolina can't play at all. And it's like, what the heck? They're very explosive. But that explosiveness isn't going to happen in this game. So they have got to come out and play better football in the first quarter because you, the last thing they want to do is fall behind Virginia Tech early, or excuse me, fall behind Clemson early. That could be a death knell for them. Uh, if I had to bet the game, I guess getting more than a touchdown, I guess I'd take Virginia Tech. But it, you know, it it'd be a situation where all right, you have to bet this gun money, or I'm, I'm going to kill you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, otherwise. We always hear the, the term gun to head, yes. but it never sounds as funny that, as when that, he that, that, that's, that's how much I don't yeah. like this game. Okay? You know, gun to head, it's like, okay, I can yeah, make, yeah. take a shot with this. Yeah. Might be a water pistol. Uh, but this thing, I, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. Bet what? that money or I will kill you. I know where you are and I will kill you. Um, the Big 12 uh, matchup is Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. And Marco, I want to get to you in just a second talking about this game. Dave, i got to ask you something, man. Oklahoma State loses to TCU, doesn't look too pretty in doing so, and all of a sudden the national title chances are knocked by the wayside. That's right. Right? So this team, let's say they went out and they beat Oklahoma. Does the Big 12 get a a playoff team into the mix if Oklahoma State wins out? Because they're so far down the radar and a lot of people's radars. Um, And and I'm not talking about betters, sharp betters, people like that. I'm talking about in the public eye. They're not a glamorous program. Huh? I don't think the public eye is wrong. No, I, 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 think the, I think the program. Big 12, if you look, and, and one of the, the, the barometers that I use to gauge a conference's strength or weakness is NFL draft. And if you look at the Big 12 and compare the number of players that get drafted and when, when they get drafted, 
the Big 12 is way behind right. the other conferences. It's just not, you know, I, a Big 12 fan, oh, we're, we, you know, it's biased against us because we've only got 10 teams. No, it's not. You're not as good as the other conferences. And I think they do need to expand. And, and, or this is just going to be a continuing trend. We'll have some, several good teams like these two. Oklahoma State's a good team. Texas Tech is pretty good. Uh, but, but the conference as a whole is going to keep getting shut out of the playoff system uh, simply because they're not producing one of the four best teams. I think this is the year where I would actually say, yes, they would get one in if that happened, to if your Oklahoma point. State wins because out. if they were to win out, they would have to go and beat Oklahoma twice, one of those being on a neutral, the other one being on the road. You go on the road to Norman and beat Oklahoma, then turn around and beat them in a neutral site Big 12 championship game. At that point, you would have beaten Kansas State, you would have beaten Texas Tech, Oklahoma twice, West Virginia. I think the resume at that point, assuming that there aren't other four other undefeated teams and one of the one losses isn't Alabama, you could probably make a pretty strong case for Oklahoma State. And aren't they an underdog to Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, any of those oh, they're the four seed, easily, easily the four seed. That's going, what I'm saying. It's, it's so, not, such a difference between the Big 12 of 15 years ago and the Big 12 But this championship nowadays. game this year may make a difference. It'll help. Yeah. That's a, that could be a Oklahoma savior. State's not winning out. No, I'm, I, they're not. I'd just like to throw that out there because of talking about the Big 12 dropping I think off Oklahoma's got a legit was. shot for the playoffs. Sure. The win at Ohio State is really big for them. TCU has a legit shot. <laughs> they yeah, although me. you just get they the impression. They beat the heck out of Oklahoma State they last did. week on the I road. Just get the impression that TCU will lose a couple of games someplace. You, know, you would can, think so. Kansas State's going to bite somebody. Sure. And they're out, they're out, they're out of the title picture because right. of the Vanderbilt game. But uh, their defense is really good. And if the quarterback doesn't, doesn't just screw up completely, which he did in the Vanderbilt game. Right. Uh, Kansas State's going to beat somebody really good at some point. Maybe a couple of games they might upset a couple yep. of people because that's a pretty good football team. Marco, the national title chances could come back to the Big 12 as we sit here and discuss it back and forth a little bit. But in this particular game, you're talking about the Cowboys laying about 10 in Lubbock. That totals 84 and climbing. It's like my waistline. It keeps expanding at every minute. But uh, it's he's now not, 84. He's not kidding either, you know. <laughs> like I needed your help. But anyway, your thoughts on this particular game? Do the Cowboys bounce back this week? I think they do. And, you know, everybody's looking and saying, okay, you know, the they ugly game last week against TCU. TCU's a good football team. Uh, they're well coached, and they can play a little bit of defense. I know it didn't look like it in a 44-31 shootout, but they held uh, TC, they held Texas, Oklahoma State to 30 points, which that's the lowest anybody's done this year. I look at this one and I look at Texas Tech and everybody's saying, okay, they're 3-0. and They went on the road last week. They beat Houston as a seven-point underdog. Remember, this is not the same Houston team. Herman's gone. The offense has struggled. Uh, they were aided by five Houston turnovers and they still only won by three. You have five turnovers plus four in the turnover margin, you're supposed to win by more than three points. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit of a concern for me. On the flip side, Oklahoma State had four turnovers. They were minus three in the turnover column, and they were still coming back and trying to get back in that game against TCU. I like Oklahoma State here. I think they roll it up here. I don't like the defense of Texas Tech. Remember, this is the same Texas Tech defense that gave up 45 to Arizona State. i got to throw this in there right now because I think Matt Holt is going to disagree with you. If I remember right, talking to you at a uh, video studio the other day when we were shooting videos, I think you're of the opinion that this might be the best 
team that Texas Tech has had in Lubbock in quite some time. Uh, maybe the best all-around team, at least. I don't know about the best offense, but the offense sure hasn't putting it on pause this year. Quarterback Nick Shomanick, uh this year, 11 touchdowns, one interception in just three games. But what I thought was impressive was how that defense went out there and just about manhandled a really good Houston offense for three and three quarters last week. Houston tried to make a comeback late. Texas Tech holding on to get the outright win as well as the cover. Look, they gave up a ton of points to Arizona State this year, but they did that last year. It's just one of those games. Is the Georgia defense bad because they give up 30-plus to Tennessee every year? No, just one of those rivalry games, right? To me, this has been the most impressive uh, Texas Tech team thus far. 56 points in the opener, 52 in their second game, and an impressive 27-24 win on the road at Houston just to show they could win with defense too. 10 points is way too much in Lubbock for this team. For me, I would only take Texas Tech at 10. TCU uh, showed quite a bit of speed in their secondary last week, and they took away the deep pass that Oklahoma State likes to throw. And no wonder Oklahoma State likes to throw it because, boy, I'm telling you what, they, they've got a set of receivers that's just absolutely scary. I mean, these guys can absolutely fly uh, down the field. Saw it last year. I think it goes back to the Pittsburgh game, and it's like, holy crap. I mean, the Pittsburgh guys look like they were running in cement shoes against Oklahoma State and, and just followed them all year long. And the, the only way you were beating this team was if you managed to find a way to slow them down and not get into their roots. Well, TCU did that. I don't know if Texas Tech can do it. Let's face it, we haven't exactly seen genius defense at work in Lubbock under the Kingsbury regime or prior to that, actually. It's like they, they you think they're playing with 10 guys sometimes on defense. So they're going to have to come up with some kind of a, a game plan to not neutralize because they can't do it, but just n to, to not let Mason Rudolph have free reign downfield with 20 and 30 yard passes. And uh, to me, you're going to see this in the first quarter. And that's why this, this is one of those games where you need to have live betting options because I think you're going to be able to determine early what's happening in the game and go from there and make a good assessment. Look, if Texas tech is not stopping the deep pass early, then they're going to get lit up and Oklahoma State will beat them by a wide margin. If Texas Tech can find some way to at least make Oklahoma State ball control its way down the field and not hit big plays, then the Red Raiders will be in this game with a chance to up, uh, get an upset. So that that would be my my advice in this game. Uh, obviously, you guys might have a stronger opinion, but my opinion would be to wait and see how the game's unfolding and uh, make a judgment from there and, and pick up some money with a live bet. Matt, does it come down under 10? You open at 8.5. You're at 10. I saw some shops around town. 9.5. Uh, I think that this one's going to bounce around. I think yeah. there's plenty of uh, both public and sharp money on Oklahoma State, and I think there's plenty of sharp money on Texas Tech, where this one's probably going to fluctuate between that 9.5 and 10 number. Before we take a timeout, before we get to the best bet segment, I got to ask you something because the biggest sports story this week by far, in this calendar year by far, maybe the decade, Ooh. is what happened in college basketball this week. And right now we're just kind of, I think, skimming the top of what we're going to find out. Most people feel that way, that there will probably be over 100 college basketball programs that are somehow reached by the tentacles tentacles of this scandal uh, mostly affecting affecting Louisville right now. Listen, I'm trying to get to the point here. I'm a huge November fan when it comes to college basketball. My favorite six weeks of the college basketball season for betting are from generally around November 10th when the season begins through mid-December. And I'm wondering if we're going to have to tap the brakes a little bit mm. on college basketball handicapping and betting 
as this situation grows and grows over the next six weeks before the season tips off? Well, we're going to know a lot about it before then. I mean, Louisville's already in trouble. Arizona looks like they're going to be in trouble. Uh, you know, there's plenty of other teams named. USC's got some issues. Auburn. Oklahoma State, Auburn. Yeah, Sean I mean, Miller, I guess, has been under investigation. Yeah, that's too. what I said. Arizona is is probably right. the next after Louisville to really get thumped. Um, but, yeah, it's already reaching m- many major programs. These aren't small programs we're hearing about. They're major, big-name, Power 5 schools. And, and it's not the NCAA this time. It's the that's FBI. Right. That's right. If it was the NCAA... No big With deal. all the evidence that they had on Louisville, Slippery Rock would have been on probation. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because that's what yeah. what they do. They punish somebody else sure. other than the big teams. But the FBI stepping in is an entirely different situation. Uh, they've even got the code name for Patino, Coach B. Coach 2. I don't even yeah. know, Coach, Coach two, 2, whatever yeah. it was. Uh, Listen, when it, they got a bracket, basically, yeah. that's more in-depth than what we see from March Madness, and the FBI says, <laughs> we've got your playbook, yep. yeah. holy crap. Uh, holy What's, crap! Because you're crapping your pants if you're one of these coaches. Here's the thing that that and I, if this is happening in college basketball, wait till we see what happens down the road in college football. Because football is the money train. Yep. Basketball is small potatoes compared to college football. And if they're finding this stuff out in college basketball, I think it's just a matter of time before we see something even more dramatic on the football side. Well, and you're going to see a lot of coaches now because they're being told it's better for you to call us than for us to call you. I feel like I'm watching a mafia movie or something because a lot of guys are going to start flipping. And the assistants are going to sing like canaries. Of course they are. Yeah. No, this is crazy. And I'm, I'm okay. I'm bummed from the moral aspect, obviously of what's going on in college basketball. Boy, of our coaches that these media outlets have put on a pedestal and basically said they walk on water and how great they are for young men growing up. No, they've been pretty they've horrible. They've getting away with it. For, look, they've been getting away with it for 50 years. Absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, but I know John Wooden's some. a great coach, but Sam Gilbert was, I mean, he was. Well, I've always, I've always you, thought, you did know John Wooden really was, land mm-hmm. some of those players by just being John no, Wooden? I, I, I don't want to cause problems here, but, you know, come on. He had the greatest booster of all time. Yeah. Okay? I mean, the, the, it's, it, I know it's sacrilege to say this, but that program cheated like crazy. And nobody, and the NCAA turned a blind eye. And they've done that for years and years yeah. and years. And that's what Tark used to always say, you know. North, Tark, Tark North Carolina, viol- what was it? North Carolina violated NC2A uh, rules, so they're going to put uh, Cleveland State, Cleveland State yes. on probation for another two years. <laughs> now, that's what it's always been. But I- I'm really disappointed, not only from the moral aspect, but also from the betting aspect, because I love November basketball. And you know what might happen is I might be on a lot of smaller schools rather than Power 5 schools to start the season if those smaller schools weren't involved. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout, our last timeout for the College Football Podcast. When we come back, everybody's going to give their best bet for the weekend in college gridiron action. Stick around. Welcome back to Wager Talk College Football Version. Don't forget to check out the NFL podcast also at wagertalk.com. And also, don't forget to follow Matt Holt at Matthew Holt VP. Matt, before we get to your best bet, tell the folks everything they need to know about betting with the CGT app in the state of Nevada. It's going to be another one of those weekends, right? We have a great Friday night game, an awesome Saturday slate with Clemson at Virginia Tech, and then on another amazing NFL Sunday this weekend. And people don't want to sit at the books anymore. They want to sit at the pool, the pub, their friend's house. Take five minutes, sign up for an account, download the app, bet the games where you watch the games from the convenience of your mobile phone. That's how people bet in 2017. And your best bet, sir? 
I'm going to go with the Memphis Tigers catching four and a half from UCF this week. UCF getting a little bit extra love uh, for their wins over FIU and Maryland, but I feel like it was a perfect storm for Central Florida this year. You know, they, they played an FIU team with a new coach coming out uh, first game, and UCF absolutely waxed them, but then they got a couple of weeks off because of hurricane issues, end up playing a Maryland team missing their uh, their starting quarterback who also lost their backup quarterback in that game, had to go to a third stringer, and UCF actually ran up to score against them. But this Memphis Tigers team is really good. We said it coming into the year. This was my favorite team in the American Athletic Conference. Riley Ferguson, one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football. Eight touchdowns, two interceptions. They hung 48 on UCLA. I'm taking Memphis plus the four and a half. Had him against UCLA, and I like your best bet here with Memphis plus the points. Marco, you can follow him at Marco in Vegas. What is happening at Wager Talk this weekend, and what do you have going this weekend? Well, you can check out at Wager Talk. We did uh, 10 videos uh, yesterday at the studios, and we had some guests in. We had Matt in. Dave joined us for videos. We had a special guest with Kelly uh, in Vegas, so check that out. Covered 10 different games uh, for you guys to do. And last week, those videos went 7-1 and one with the best bets. So check that out in, uh, for Wager Talk. Three-day uh, all-access package. You can pick your favorite capper, get three days, all of their plays for $59. Oof. Best deal going. Check it out at wagertalk.com. Uh, for me, I'm going to go to the ACC. We talked about this game briefly, and I'm going to go with Florida State. And I know uh, you know Wake Forest is playing well. I understand that. But I'm looking at the line here, and I'm looking at the past. And with Florida State, they started a quarterback last week, first start. Uh, had to replace Francois. But the other part was Florida State had not played in 21 days. They had the game against Alabama Labor Day weekend. Then they had the cancellations. And that's not good. You you know, you're starting a new quarterback. You got to get out there. Now he's had a game under his belt. Yeah, they lost 27-21, but you really can't blame him. He was 22 of 38 for 278 in his debut. He's going to be facing Wake Forest, who granted is playing good, but I question their schedule of who Wake Forest has played yet. We'll find out more about Wake Forest uh, after this week, but Florida State played Alabama the first week, which we know right now is the best, you know, the number one team in the country. And then uh, last week, NC State's not a bad ball club. But what I'm looking at is if you go to history, last year, Florida State was a 23 and a half point favorite. The year before that, they were a 19-point favorite on the road. Now, they had two close games against Wake Forest. In most years, they're looking past Wake Forest. So I can understand them you know, winning and not covering. Sure. Now at 0-2, there's no looking past anybody. This is do or die this week for Florida State to salvage whatever's left of the season. I think it starts here. They're too well coached. They have too much talent on this team. I'm going to lay the points with Florida State. You mentioned Florida State-Bama. You get a feather in your cap when you take on Alabama as a non-conference team early in the year. But can I just – one little recommendation – don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't, really? don't play Alabama with Nick Saban as head coach. Just don't do it. It could ruin your season. Just ask Florida State. But I like your argument for him this week. Dave, what is your plan for the weekend? Of course, you can follow Dave at Dave Koken. It's your plan for the weekend at wagertalk.com and your best bet. Well, I've already put up uh, a top dog play for Saturday, uh, which I, I think has a really good chance to be uh, an outright upset. Uh, another play. Uh, that that's got a high ranking. That the the numbers moved on the game, but I still think it's a it's a decent play. And I'll be adding some stuff. And I've got a free play at Wager Talk, which is actually going to be my best bet here on the show. And we've talked about this game already. Uh, look, all I tell you is that I, 
there are times when I will just dismiss numbers completely. And this is one of those situations. Um, we've seen this in past years in, over and over and over again. When, when a coach becomes a lame duck, a virtual lame duck, they just don't get much of an effort out of their teams. Unless it's a situation where it's a really well-liked coach. Butch Jones doesn't fall into that category. This reminds me, it's a different conference, but this reminds me of Tommy Tuberville at Cincinnati sure. last year where we knew pretty early into the season he is gone and he's not real popular. The staff's kind of a mess. And outside of one game against Tulsa, <laughs> because I had Tulsa yeah, for a big game, <laughs> uh, that the, for some reason Tulsa just decided to throw picks all over the place and Cincinnati uh, gave him a good game and ended up losing that game anyway. Uh, I think they were up like 23 points and they, they lost the game. I think Tennessee's a train wreck right now. And Georgia's coming in with a full head of steam. I know that it's an obvious type of play because Georgia was so good last week in demolishing Mississippi State. But they've got their designs on something big, which is a spot in the playoffs. Tennessee, at this point, is wondering who the coach is going to be on Monday. I'm taking Georgia minus the points. It's funny, as you were talking after you growled, I remembered I was on that Tulsa yeah, side for yeah. a pretty big play to myself. Uh, that was a drag, no doubt about it, because they got themselves in a hole. They should have gotten murdered in that game. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, I can, I'm at Scott Wins on Twitter. My stuff is over at wagertalk.com, and uh, we're going to aim for our 14th straight winning three-pack. Uh, we are 31-7-1, 82% with the plays inside those three-packs, and went 3-0 and this past weekend. And uh, it starts early, by the way. It starts at 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, this particular three-pack. The other two games a little bit later in the day. Uh, but you'll want to grab that as we look to continue that streak. We've also got a big 5% play going on this weekend in college and in pro football. And all of those plays, all five plays, have already been posted. My best bet, I'm going to let you read about it at wagertalk.com. It is my free play there. It is Northwestern plus the points over Wisconsin. Uh, briefly, what I'll say here, getting 14, 14 and a half, by the way. I like this Northwestern passing game under Thorson. He's about a 64% passer so far. And he averages about nine yards per attempt which means he goes downfield from time to time. It opens things up a little bit for Justin Jackson, and that's what I think Wisconsin's defense is going to get caught up in a little bit. They're going to have to play an honest brand of football. Jackson's about 250 yards rushing on the season and about four and a half yards per carry. And the Badgers, by the way, speaking of playing kind of a, a weakish type of uh, a slate of games thus far, they played Utah State, Florida Atlantic, and BYU, and all three of those teams have left their offenses on the bus for all their games this year. So, this will be Wisconsin's toughest test yet. Yes, it'll be Northwestern's toughest test yet, but I think Northwestern comes away with it. And by the way, they were on a nice 6-1 and one spread run as a road dog. We'll take the points with the Wildcats. All right, for Dave, for Matt, for Marco, and for Mark Seidel at the controls, I'm Scott. Don't forget, Wager Talk NFL podcast available for week four. Put them in the win column in college football. We'll talk to you again next week. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night, and I bet you good night, good night, good night. I'll catch you on the flip side.